Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development. And each week, we invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic update from our in-house economics team. And good morning to our resident chief economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Matthew, another week, another deep dive into the impacts COVID has been having on all facets of our current world. You really must be asking yourself, when will this all end? Yeah, Craig, it seems never ending. Um, Hopefully, there'll be light at the end of the tunnel uh, sometimes towards the end of this year. Indeed, Matthew. And over the past few weeks, we've been painting a picture for our listeners as to the impacts of COVID on our economy, and in particular, the service and retail sectors, which have borne the brunt of the lockdown measures. Today, I was hoping we could dig into the progression of COVID that has been marching through the various layers of our economy. Yesterday, data came in saying the non-mining investment has fallen faster than at any time since the last recession. So can you share with our listeners the infection path that COVID has taken through our economy and what you're seeing in this latest data? Yes, Craig. Well, yesterday we received, uh, we received data on private sector capital expenditure for, that's for the June quarter, and that fell by around 6% with equipment spending down 8% and spending on building and structures uh, down by about uh, 4.5%. And as you say, the weakness was concentrated in the mining, the non-mining sectors with the services sector, who have been the hardest hit by COVID, reducing their capital expenditure by over 8%, and the manufacturing sector reducing its capital expenditure by almost 5%. Of course, this period is picking up the lockdown period of uh, April, May. So it's not surprising that CapEx spending by the services sector should uh, fall so dramatically. Um, However, as a counterbalance to what happened uh, with the service and the uh, services sector and the manufacturing sector, the mining sector, which has been supported by the strength in China, demand for our bulk commodity exports, particularly iron ore, and we're free of the lockdown restrictions. The mining sector's um, spending held up reasonably well compared to services and manufacturing, with capex spending uh, for mining falling uh, by just over 1%. And with China having rebounded strongly from COVID over the June quarter, and with the prospect of China authorities continuing to boost their economy with infrastructure spending, the future for our mining sector looks more promising than many other sectors in the economy. Yeah, thanks for the update, Matthew. And even as we uh, look at the lockdown measures being remaining relatively at ease in most states, notwithstanding, of course, Victoria, the problem seems to be now that the impacts are flowing into business investment. Just yesterday, the Business Council of Australia issued a bit of a wake-up call that more jobs had to be created to pull ourselves out of the downturn with business investment having fallen off a cliff. The BCA then called for a 20% investment allowance for all business. So, Matthew, what's going on here? Do we have an idea as to the scope of the impact yet? And can you please also comment on whether 20% investment allowance would act as a triage for our economy? Well, no doubt uh, there are more negative flow-on effects to come, as well as the uh, capital expenditure data that we got out yesterday. On Wednesday, we had the June quarter construction activity report from the Australian Bureau of Statistics as well. And, and this data confirmed the drop in residential construction, which, almost, which fell by almost 6%. While non-residential building investment, that is uh, office and other commercial building, also fell. Now, it did so at a more modest rate of just under 1%. And you remember back uh, in the April lockdown, the construction industry was classified as essential. Hence, there were 
minimal disruptions while that sector completed work already in progress. But the decline in the services sector investment spending that we've seen in the second quarter and will be ongoing will spill over to a decline in commercial building and add to the negative impact of the drop in residential building on the construction industry. Remember that the services sector is made up of professional services such as accounting and business consultancies, law firms, engineering and architects, as well as the finance sector, which includes the banks. And these businesses are the main tenants of our offices. Hence, as activity in those sectors drop, demand for offices falls. The threat this poses to the construction industry is also very significant for the rest of the economy. Apart from being a large industry in its own right, the construction industry is labour intensive and therefore has a significant bearing on overall employment in the economy. And a lesser known feature of the construction industry is the stimulus that it gives to many service sectors. For example, for every dollar of residential and non-residential building that is created by the construction industry, around 30 cents of that goes to the services sectors in in terms of the uh, supply chain. Hence, there's a strong connection between the construction industry and the main services sector. And this is a feedback loop that is reinforcing and hence can be virtuous or vicious. On policy, the government is already encouraging private sector business spending with its instant uh, asset write-off for businesses with a turnover of less than $500 million per annum, up to a threshold of $150,000 per asset. Could they do more, as suggested by the BCA? Certainly. But the problem is that if the economy is weak or deteriorating and business confidence confidence is weak or falling, you are unlikely, I think, to get businesses to commit to CapEx, even if subsidised. As as you know, Craig, I'm fond of saying you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Yeah, look, a, a wonderful saying there. And also, it just shows how interconnected this all is, Matthew, and how one influence on, on the left-hand side really has an impact on the right-hand side. So thank you for that update. It also then begs the question, what instances from the past can policymakers also consider? Is there anything that the government can be doing to increase business investment, Matthew? Well, Craig, another interesting feature of the, the construction data that was released on Wednesday was actually the sharp decline in government construction spending. Public construction spending was down 3.2% in the quarter, and and this just is not acceptable in the current environment. Infrastructure spending, which is intensive in construction, is the main way governments can stimulate the economy in the COVID world, we think. And we need policy to focus in this area as a priority. Not only will infrastructure spending stimulate the construction industry, it will also stimulate the hard-hit services sectors directly, as infrastructure projects are also intensive in their use of uh, service sector inputs, and indirectly through their supply chain link with the construction industry. And we've said before in previous podcasts, Matthew, that you know, that kind of fiscal uh, stimulus in the infrastructure space is really efficient as well. So let's get it down into it, really. Let's get quite direct here. With COVID now infecting business confidence, what's next, Matthew? How much worse can it get? Well, yesterday's ABS CapEx survey also includes estimates of intended investment spending by uh, the private sector over the coming year. 
Now, there's some interpretation involved in determining what the ABS numbers mean for business investment going forward, but ours and most other economists' estimates interpret the data as very negative for investment spending over the current financial year. We think the data point to a fall in business investment of around 8% over 2021. However, we think that in the absence of more government policy stimulus, these estimates will fall over the remainder of the year, and we expect uh, business investment to actually fall over by over 10% in uh, financial year 2021. All right, so there's clearly some uh, some clear work there for our government um, that we're calling out for. But let's move offshore, Matthew, as the Fed has begun its annual economic policy symposium, also known as Jackson Hole. But even COVID has rained on its parade by forcing it to move to Kansas City from Wyoming. Global investors were keenly watching as to whether the Fed Chairman Jerome Powell would reinforce the case for aiming for inflation that hits 2% target on average. So, Matthew, can you please bring us up to speed on what's happened overnight? Are investors getting what they wish for? The Fed delivered on expectations and announced they would target 2% inflation on average over an unspecified time frame. Uh, this gives the Fed scope to allow inflation to rise to 2% without necessitating an increase in interest rates. The problem the Fed has with the hard target of 2% was that they had to start lifting rates well before inflation got to the target due to the lags in pass-through of higher interest rates to the economy and hence inflation. However, I don't think this means that the Fed will allow high inflation rates. Chair Powell emphasised that they would lift rates if inflation or infl inflation expectations were rising too sharply. And here the emphasis on inflation expectations, which are forward indicators of inflation, uh, is important because it gives them scope to actually um, start raising rates, even if inflation is around that 2% mark. They don't have to allow inflation to go above 2%, for example. Uh, Chair Powell also reiterated that the Fed would not consider a negative Fed funds rate. The change in policy brings the Fed more in line with some other central banks, in particular um, the RBA and the RBNZ, that target inflation with a, within a range around a midpoint. For example, as we know in, in the case of the RBA, we target a range of 2 to 3% with a midpoint of 2.5%. Thanks, Matthew. And whilst no one would be surprised by the hits being seen in that services data that you took us through, with our politicians regularly reminding us that we are all in this together, will business come to the fore with the investment that that BCA is calling for? And is it another case for MMT? With this in mind, will we also see the government look to produce the stimulus required for that crucial construction industry, which, as we have learned in prior QPods, is a really efficient fiscal approach? And whilst the Fed is in line with other Western central banks in targeting inflation, if the RBNZ prepares for negative interest rates, are we going to see a currency battle forming? Next week, we're also expecting those crucial GDP figures to come out. So I'm really looking forward to the update there. Thank you for joining us on QPod this morning and have a super weekend.